Hello and welcome back. Welcome back to the Dead Sea Scrolls recordings. We actually have quite a diverse amount of stuff to cover today and yes, believe it or not, I'm excited to share it with you. Our next fragment here, after having read the rest of their uh, psalms that weren't really psalms, you know, they were deuterocanonical psalms, psalms that they just made up, psalms that they purchased from people that are considered part of the deuterocanon, and a few things like the Song of Manasseh that they just butchered for their own ends here, we get to their fragment of Lamentations. Now, this is incredibly important because when we look at Lamentations in the Bible, I want to examine whether or not the Dead Sea Scrolls version, admittedly fragmentary, but whether that version matches up. So here is the fragment from Lamentations from the Dead Sea Scrolls. Let's see just how good were these guys with the Bible? And can we really trust them to be super duper faithful in their witness of what Holy Scripture actually said? <clears throat> dot dot dot. As usual, not off to a good start. How solitary lies the city, dot, dot, dot. The princess of all the peoples is desolate like a forsaken woman, and all her daughters are forsaken like a forsaken woman, like a woman hurt and forsaken by her husband. All her places and her walls are like a barren woman, and like a sheltered woman are all her paths, all her dot, dot, dot. Like a woman of bitterness, and all her daughters are like women, mourning for their husbands. All her dot 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 like women, deprived of their only children. Weep, weep, Jerusalem. Her tears flow upon her cheeks because of her sons dot dot dot. Next fragment. Give not our inheritance to strangers, nor our hard-earned property to foreigners. Remember that we are the forsaken of thy people and the forsaken of thine inheritance. Remember the desolate children of thy covenant, dot, 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 thy freely devoted, dot, dot, dot. They err with no one to bring them back. They are broken with none to bind them. They are bent down with none to raise them up. The damned of thy people have surrounded me with their lying tongues. They have been turned, dot, dot, dot. And thy bows to the progeny of a woman. Look and see the shame of the sons of thy people, for our skin is burning, and feverish heat has seized us because of their reviling tongue. Okay, let's look at whether or not this matches up with what Lamentations actually says. For context, if you want to open up your Holy Bible here, it is right after the book of Jeremiah. Tradition has it that Jeremiah wrote Lamentations while sitting outside of Jerusalem, watching it burn as the Babylonians came in to take the children of Judah into exile. To their credit, the first part of their fragment, How Solitary Lies the City, is our cue that it's the very first verse of Lamentations, which the ESV here is going to translate, How Lonely Sits the City. That's okay, there can be some changes in diction or localization in the translation. That's okay. But, let's see if it actually goes exactly like the Dead Sea Scrolls writes. How lonely sits the city that was full of people. How like a widow she has become, she who was great among the nations, she who was a princess among the provinces, has become 
a slave. Hmm. Okay. What does the Dead Sea Scrolls say? How solitary lies the city, and there's a fragment cut. We can't blame them for that, dot, dot, dot. The princess of all the peoples is desolate like a forsaken woman. Hmm. Well, that's not the right wording. But we continue on here because it gets worse. We continue in verse 2 of Lamentations in the ESV. She weeps bitterly in the night with tears on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she has none to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become her enemies. Judah has gone into exile because of affliction and hard servitude. She dwells now among the nations, but finds no resting place. Her pursuers have all overtaken her in the midst of her distress. How does the Dead Sea Scrolls continue? How does the Qumran community translate this? The princess of all the peoples is desolate like a forsaken woman, and all her daughters are forsaken like a forsaken woman, like a woman hurt and forsaken by her husband. All her palaces and her walls are like a barren woman, and like a sheltered woman are all her paths. Does that sound um, remotely like what we're reading in Lamentations? It does seem when they say all her palaces and her walls are like a barren woman, almost like verse 4 of Lamentations chapter 1, where it says all her gates are desolate, her priests groan, her virgins have been afflicted, and she herself suffers bitterly. That's about as close as we can get to what the Dead Sea Scrolls version of the Book of Lamentations says here. That's bad. We have zero reason to say that's good or that these guys are faithfully transcribing scripture. They have an excellent scribal tradition. But maybe I'm wrong. Let's go ahead and say maybe, just maybe, they're going off of the Greek translation of the Old Testament. And we will crack open our copy of the Septuagint here. Let's see how the English is transliterated from Lamentations 1 in the Septuagint. Aleph, how does the city that was filled with people sit solitary? She has become as a widow. She that was magnified among the nations and princess among the provinces has become tributary. She weeps sore in the night and her tears are on her cheeks and there is none of all her lovers to comfort her. All that were her friends have dealt deceitfully with her. They are become her enemies. Judea is gone into captivity by reason of her affliction and by reason of the abundance of her servitude. She dwells among the nations. She has not found rest. All her pursuers have overtaken her between her oppressors. Okay, so even in the Greek translation here, the Greek Septuagint, we do not have the wording that we see from the Dead Sea Scrolls. Again, let me go ahead and read what the Qumran community says is the Book of Lamentations. How solitary lies the city, dot, 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 the princess of all the peoples is desolate, like a forsaken woman, and all her daughters are forsaken, like a forsaken woman, like a woman hurt and forsaken by her husband. All her palaces and her walls are like a barren woman, and like a sheltered woman are all her paths. Hmm, that's not lamentations, is it? Now let's go ahead and read, we're going to reread what they say in the second fragment of their version of Lamentations here, which says, Give not our inheritance to strangers, nor our hard-earned property to foreigners. Remember that we are the forsaken of thy people, and the forsaken of thine inheritance. 
Remember the desolate children of thy covenant, dot, 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 thy freely devoted, dot, dot, dot. They err with no one to bring them back. They are broken with none to bind them. They are bent down with none to raise them up. The damned of thy people have surrounded me with their lying tongues. They have been turned, dot, 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 and thy bows to the progeny of a woman. Look and see the shame of the sons of thy people, for our skin is burning, and feverish heat has seized us because of their reviling tongues. Now, the very first part of this does parallel very closely with chapter 5, verse 2 of Lamentations. In the ESV here, it's translated, Our inheritance has been turned over to strangers, our homes to foreigners. We have become orphans, fatherless. Our mothers are like widows. We must pay for the water we drink. The wood we get must be bought. Our pursuers are at our necks. We are weary. We are given no rest. We have given the hand to Egypt and to Assyria to get bread enough. Our fathers sinned and are no more, and we bear their iniquities. Slaves rule over us. There is none to deliver us from their hand. We get our bread at the peril of our lives because of the sword in the wilderness. Our skin is hot as an oven with the burning heat of famine. Women are raped in Zion, young women in the towns of Judah. Princes are hung up by their hands. No respect is shown to the elders. Young men are compelled to grind at the mill and boys stagger under loads of wood. Okay, so we have two points of parallel here. The first verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 2, saying our inheritance has been turned over to strangers, our homes to foreigners. That's a statement, a declaration that Jeremiah makes in Lamentation, saying this happened. Versus the Qumran version, which says, Give not our inheritance to strangers, nor our hard-earned property to foreigners. Oh, I love that so much. Hard-earned property to foreigners. Like they deserve to have that land instead of the actual thing that scripture teaches that God blessed them with that land. That God gave that land to them out of grace. Qumran, no, 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 no. We can't forget that they are crass Pelagians quite often. And they want to say that, no, you get your blessing by earning it. But the second point of parallel is when uh, Jeremiah says here, our skin is as hot as an oven with the burning heat of famine. And that's Lamentations chapter 2, verse 10. Versus the Qumran version that says, Look and see the shame of the sons of thy people, for our skin is burning and feverish heat has seized us because of their reviling tongue. Jeremiah paints a picture here of people being put to hard slavish work in the fields for their oppressive masters. Qumran says, oh no, 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 no. Our skin is burning because of the lies that our opponents say. That's what Jeremiah really said. But again, let's go ahead and read from Lamentations chapter 5 here from the Septuagint. Just to make sure, just to make darn good sure that I'm not mischaracterizing what the Qumran community is doing here. Chapter 5 verse 2 in the Septuagint. Our inheritance has been turned away to aliens, our houses to strangers. We are become orphans, we have no father, our mothers are as widows. We have drunk our water for money, our wood is sold to us for a burden on our neck. We have been persecuted, we have labored, we have no rest. Egypt gave the hand to us, a sore to their own satisfaction. Our fathers sinned and are not. We have borne their iniquities. 
Servants have ruled over us. There is none to ransom us out of their hand. We shall bring in our bread with danger of our lives because of the sword of the wilderness. Our skin is blackened like an oven. They are convulsed because of the storms of famine. They humbled the women in Zion, the virgins in the cities of Judah. Princes were hanged up by their hands. The elders were not honored. The chosen men lifted up the voice in weeping, and the youths fainted under the wood. So, same general message under the Septuagint translation as we have under Lamentations in the ESV, which means that the Qumran community absolutely butchered and twisted Holy Scripture to suit their own ends and their own theology. The translators will say, oh, this is a poem inspired by the book of Lamentations. Oh, it's, it's inspired. It's like a, a cover band trying to make a new song, but they've been doing Van Halen covers for so long that, of course, what, what comes out still sounds like, might as well go ahead and leap, leap. No, that's not what's happening here. Because if it was truly inspired by it, they would not take the time to attempt to plagiarize some verses to make it seem legit. Really, what did actually happen here? They read over Lamentations chapter 1 and they went, Ooh, we want to keep this verse here. But for the next one here, we want to say that this is the princess of all the peoples, but... Right now, we're in a time of such terrible, terrible situations in Judea that we have to really emphasize that whole forsaken and desolate thing so we can say it's just like today. Mm, 100%. And then they go over to chapter 5 and they go, well, we're not slaves. Jeremiah does say that, but I mean, it, it's hot here in Qumran. It's hot here near Damascus. So our skin really is burning, um, but... Look, we deserve this property. We deserve Judah and Israel. We, this is ours. So we need to ask God not to give it to people instead of seeing that God really did give it to people. Let's modify that. And you know what the number one problem here is? It's not the slavery and the hardship and the toil and the oppression of the children of Judah in exile. Oh, no, we need to emphasize something different here. So let's talk about erring and errors. Let's talk about lying tongues and ooh, we're going to put in the damned of thy people because after all, a whole lot of these people are filled with the spirit of Belial here. God put that evil spirit in them and we need to call attention to that. And then, oh yeah, uh, it's a reviling tongue that caused our skin to burn because that really makes my head really hot. That's what they did. I guarantee to you. They mutilated scripture to make it fit their own ends. Much in the same exact way, if you look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, but polytheistic groups like the Mormon church said, Oh, you know what, let's go ahead and just retranslate that for the pearl of great price and say, In the beginning the gods made the heavens and the earth. All right, clap, clap, job done, pat ourselves on the back. We have legitimated our authority and we have legitimated our theology by messing with the Bible, but that's okay because we're so right, you see. That's what happened here in Qumran. Don't tell me that the Dead Sea Scrolls are this treasure trove of faithful scribes having brought scripture to light here to show how accurate our transcripts are. Don't tell me that this is a group that really cared about the Bible. 
This is a desert cult that decided they were going to do whatever they wanted with the Bible to justify their insane, theological, race-worshipping, bizarre positions. Their Gnosticism, their ecclesiolatry, their hyper-determinism, their Pelagianism. They want it all to be justified by their own writings in addition to the Bible, which they are more than happy to add to and take away from for their own ends. Don't tell me that we need the Dead Sea Scrolls. I deny it. And you can guarantee that when we get to the other transcripts of Scripture in the Dead Sea Scrolls, we are going to put it under the exact same microscope as this supposed fragment of Lamentations here that they absolutely butchered. We're going to take a look at it and we're going to see whether or not they did this for all of them, for the ones that they actually copied down. But moving on from that, we have the uh, songs for the Holocaust of the Sabbath. Now don't get it twisted, this is not about something you learned in history class in high school or something. A Holocaust means burnt offering. I don't know why they didn't just translate it as burnt offering, but... These can be thought of more or less as prose poetry. Kind of like how the Vikings had their poetic Edda and then their prose Edda. It is still literature that's intended to be read somewhat poetically here. So we read from the first fragment to the master, Song of the Holocaust of the First Sabbath on the fourth of the first month. Praise the God of dot dot dot, the gods of supreme holiness and his divine kingship rejoice, for he has established supreme holiness among the everlastingly holy, the holy of holies, to be for him the priests of the inner temple in his royal sanctuary, ministers of the presence in his glorious innermost temple chamber, in the congregation of all the gods of knowledge, and in the congregation of all the gods of God, he engraved his precepts for all the spiritual works and his glorious judgments for all who lay the foundations of knowledge, the people endowed with his glorious understanding, the gods who are close to knowledge, dot dot dot, of eternity and from the fountain of holiness to the sanctuary of supreme holiness, dot dot dot, priests of the inner temple, ministers of the presence of the most holy king, dot dot dot, his glory. They shall grow in strength decree by decree to be seven eternal councils. For he founded them for himself as the most holy who minister in the holy of holies, dot dot dot, do not endure those who pervert the way. There is nothing impure in their sanctuaries. He engraved for them precepts relating to holy gifts. By them all the everlastingly holy shall sanctify them. He shall purify the luminously pure to repay all those who render their way crooked. Their expiations shall obtain his goodwill for all who repent from sin. Knowledge among the priests of the inner temple, and from their mouth proceed the teachings of the holy with the judgments of his glory. His graces for everlasting merciful forgiveness, in his zealous vengeance, dot dot dot, he has established for himself as priests of the inner temple, the most holy dot 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 of gods, the priests of the highest heights, who are near to dot dot dot. Well, okay, taking a quick pause there. So these people believed in multiple gods, gods of supreme holiness, gods of knowledge, gods of God. I have no idea what they're getting at. Now, it is true that Elohim is a plural noun. 
That is a name for God, Elohim. It is plural. However, in the Hebrew of the Old Testament, oftentimes whenever God is doing something, there is a verb attached to that which denotes a single being doing it. So if we go back to Genesis 1 verse 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Elohim, plural noun, bara, one being created. So God, properly defined in the Old Testament, was one being, one divine being, of more than one person. A, a plurality in the singular being. So we as Christians see that as foreshadowing the doctrine of the Trinity in the Old Testament. The Qumran community said, oh wow, there's lots of gods, how cool. But it's also very ironic then <laughs> that this fragment here says, do not endure those who pervert the way. Did y'all have mirrors in the uh, Qumran area? Did y'all ever just look in the mirror and go, are we the baddies? Are, are we the ones who are perverting things? And of course they say, no, it's everybody else who's wrong. But let's go ahead and jump into the next fragment here. Dot, dot, dot. Wonderfully to extol thy glory among the divine beings of knowledge and the praises of thy kingship among the most holy. More wonderfully than gods and men, they are glorified amid all the camps of the gods and feared by companies of men. They recount his royal majesty according to their knowledge and exalt his glory in all his royal heavens. In the highest heights they shall sing marvelous psalms according to all their understanding in the glorious splendor of the king of the gods they shall recount on their stations. Dot, dot, dot. For what shall we be counted among them? For what shall our priesthood be counted in their dwellings? How shall our holiness compare with their supreme holiness? How does the offering of our tongue of dust compare with the knowledge of the divine beings? Dot, dot, dot. Our jubilation. Let us extol the God of knowledge. Dot, dot, dot. Holy of holies. And his understanding is above all those who possess knowledge. Dot, dot, dot. Okay. Have you noticed that word knowledge being tossed around here? Have you noticed me say that these people had a Gnostic bent to them? That they really liked knowing stuff, they really liked knowledge, they really liked feeling super duper special about all their doctrines and their teacher of righteousness pointing out all these super cool things like how there are apparently gods of knowledge but like the one supreme god is like above them but he considers these gods of knowledge to be his gods I guess. Very interesting. And this is supposedly a preparatory thing to recite before a burnt offering. Even so, what the heck. Let's keep reading here. Next fragment is very, very short. It just says dot, dot, dot. Gods run to his visitation and the voice of a crowd, dot, 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 of gods in the war of heaven, and it will be dot, dot, dot. I wonder, did these people have more Greek influence to them to point to henotheism than they would have liked to admit? After all, henotheism was something that the Israelites in the Old Testament battled against and succumbed to all the time, but it was something that was stamped out after the exile. You had a, a period of time where they were real monotheists, but after the Greeks took over, with a little bit of influence from those Persians who had taken over previously, it seems to me like it started to seep back in, and the Qumran community that 
hates everybody else that isn't them and believes that they are the only ones with the true Hebrew religion seems to have fallen to quite a bit of influence from the Greeks because they most definitely seem to have believed in other gods. Not that they worshipped them, but they believed that they were there. Continuing on, though, with our next fragment, dot, 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 wonderful new works. All these he has done wonderfully with all the eternally hidden things, dot, 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 all the words of knowledge. For from the God of knowledge comes all that exists forever, and from his plans come all the eternally appointed. He produces the former things in their appointed times, and the latter things in their seasons. None among those who know the wonderfully revealed things can comprehend them before he makes them. When he makes them, none of the doers of righteousness can understand his plan, for they are his glorious works. Before they come into being, they derive from his plan. For the Master, Song of the Holocaust of the Sixth Sabbath, on the ninth of the second month. Praise the God of gods, you inhabitants of the highest heights, holy of holies, and exalt his glory, dot dot dot, knowledge of the everlasting gods. My suspicions are kind of bearing some fruit here. But keep in mind here that in this particular fragment here, they are extolling God as the one from whom all events come. He is so sovereign, you see, that there is nothing that happens without not only his consent, but also his direct active will. Did you stub your toe? That's because God wanted you to stub your toe, pal. Did you say something mean to your mom? Well, that's because God apparently put an evil spirit in you to say something mean to your mom, to make sure that that happened and your mom's good character was besmirched. That's how these people thought. So they're reciting before their burnt offerings, which by all means they had no authority to do. Deuteronomy makes it clear that burnt offerings could only be made where God had designated, and God had designated the temple in Jerusalem for it. They didn't have the right to do it, but when they did it, they recited all the tenets of their bizarre extreme theology. Continuing on, though, with the next fragment, this one is the longest thus far. Psalm of exaltation uttered by the tongue of the third of the sovereign princes, an exaltation, dot, dot, dot. He shall exalt the God of the angels on high seven times with seven wonderful exaltations. Psalm of praise uttered by the tongue of the fourth to the mighty one above all the gods, seven wonderful mighty deeds. He shall praise the God of the mighty deeds seven times with seven words of marvelous praise. Psalm of thanksgiving uttered by the tongue of the fifth to the king of glory with its seven wonderful thanksgivings. He shall thank the God of glory seven times with seven words of wonderful thanksgivings. Psalm of exaltation uttered by the tongue of the sixth to the God of goodness with its seven wonderful exaltations. He shall exult before the king of goodness seven times with seven words of wonderful exaltation. Psalm of singing uttered by the tongue of the seventh of the sovereign princes, a powerful song to the God of holiness with its seven marvelous songs. He shall sing to the king of holiness seven times with seven words of wonderful songs, seven psalms singing his blessings, seven psalms of magnification of his righteousness, seven psalms of exaltation of his kingship, seven psalms of praises of his glory, seven psalms of thanksgiving for his marvelous deeds, seven psalms of exaltation of his power, seven psalms singing his holiness, seven times with seven powerful words, words of exaltation of the sovereign princes. In the glorious name of God, the first of the sovereign princes shall bless all the dot dot dot, 
with seven wonderful words, blessing all their counsels in his holy sanctuary with seven wonderful words. And he shall bless those who know the everlasting things. In the name of his truth, the second of the sovereign princes shall bless all their stations with seven wonderful words, and he shall bless with seven wonderful words. He shall bless all those who exalt the king with seven glorious words of his marvels, all the eternally pure. In the name of his exalted kingship, the third of the sovereign princes shall bless all who are lifted up in knowledge with seven words of exaltation. Dot, dot, dot. Of his true knowledge, he shall bless with seven marvelous words, and he shall bless all who are destined for righteousness with seven wonderful words. In the name of the king's majesty, the fourth of the sovereign princes shall bless with seven majestic words all who walk uprightly. He shall bless all the gods close to true knowledge with seven righteous words for gaining his glory as favors. In the name of the majesty of his marvelous deeds, the fifth sovereign prince shall bless with seven words of his exalted truth all who dot 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 purity. He shall bless all who eagerly do his will with seven marvelous words, and he shall bless all who confess him with seven majestic words, that they may thank him forever. In the name of the mighty deeds of the gods, the sixth sovereign prince shall bless with seven words of his marvelous mighty deeds all who are mighty in wisdom. He shall bless all the perfect of way with seven marvelous words to be in attendance forever. He shall bless all who wait for him with seven marvelous words that they may obtain the return of his gracious favors. In the name of his holiness, the seventh of the sovereign princes shall bless with seven words of his marvelous holiness all the holy founders of knowledge. He shall bless all who exalt his statutes with seven marvelous words, which shall be for them stout shields. He shall bless all who are destined for righteousness and always forever praise his glorious kingship with seven marvelous words for everlasting peace. In the name of his holiness, all these sovereign princes shall bless together the God of the divine beings and all their sevenfold testimonies. They shall bless those destined for righteousness and all the blessed dot dot dot, the eternally blessed for them. Blessed be the Lord, the King of all, who is above all blessing and praise. He shall bless all the holy who bless him and proclaim him righteous in the name of his glory. And he shall bless all who are blessed forever. It sounds, honestly, since they probably didn't have seven princes just to go around and go through this whole gigantic burnt offering process, it sounds like they intended to institute Cesaro-Papism. Now, what is Cesaro-Papism? Cesaro-Papism is the idea that the head of the church should be, at the same time, the sovereign over the state. It, it shows up every now and then with uh, Eastern Orthodoxy, not to say that all Eastern Orthodox are Cesaro Papists, but there is great respect for guys like Constantine, who called the Nicene Council before things got, you know, too crazy with those Aryans running around. There are people who do believe that, yes, your king should also be something like your pope or the head of your church. And while the Dead Sea Scrolls, the Qumran community, they don't have that yet. It seems like this may have been designs for the future. And also, yet another thing to add to their muddled, muddy, crazy theology here. Now let's go ahead and move on to the next fragment here. For the Master, Song of the Holocaust of the Seventh Sabbath on the 16th of the month. Praise the Most High God, O you high among all the gods of knowledge. 
Let the holy ones of the gods sanctify the king of glory who sanctifies by his holiness all his holy ones. O princes of the praises of all the gods, praise the god of majestic praises, for in the splendor of praises is the glory of his kingship. In it are contained the praises of all the gods together with the splendor of all his kingship. Exalt his exaltation on high, O gods, above the gods on high, and his glorious divinity above all the highest heights. For he is the god of gods, of all the princes on high, and the king of kings, and of all the eternal councils. By a discerning good will expressed by the words of his mouth, all the gods on high come into being. At the opening of his lips, all the eternal spirits, by his discerning good will, all his creatures and their undertakings. Exult, O you who exult in his knowledge with an exultation among the wonderful gods. Utter his glory with the tongue of all who utter knowledge. May his wonderful exultation be in the mouth of all who utter his knowledge. For he is the God of all who exult in everlasting knowledge, and the judge through his might of all the spirits of understanding. Celebrate, O all celebrating gods, the king of majesty, for all the gods of knowledge celebrate his glory. And all the spirits of righteousness celebrate his truth, and seek acceptance of their knowledge by the judgments of his mouth, and of their celebrations when his mighty hand executes judgments of reward. Sing to the God of power with an offering of the princely spirit, a song of divine joy, and a jubilation among all the holy, a wonderful song for eternal rejoicing. With these all the foundations of the holy of holies shall praise, the pillars bearing the highest abode and all the corners of its structure. Sing to the God who is awesome in strength, dot, 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 to extol together the splendid firmament, the supreme purity of his holy sanctuary. Praise him, O divine spirits, praising forever and ever the firmament of the highest heavens. All dot 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 and its walls, all its structure, its shape, the spirits of the holy of holies, the living gods, the spirits of eternal holiness, above all the holy ones, dot dot dot, marvelous marvel, majesty and beauty and marvel. Glory is in the perfect light of knowledge, dot dot dot, in all the marvelous sanctuaries. The divine spirits surround the dwelling of the king of truth and righteousness, all its walls, dot dot dot. Now, if anybody decides they're going to go ahead and get themselves a copy of a translation of the Dead Sea Scrolls, you might notice that sometimes the translators put quotation marks over the word gods. But that sounds like a modern translation technique to uh, say, well, they don't actually believe in all these deities, you see. They're just called gods uh, due to some expression of disbelief here. It's a sarcastic thing like you see in the Psalms. Does the language really say that, though? Does the language here, uh, the gods of knowledge, uh, the glorious gods, the praising gods, the gods of eternal glory and praise, that's not language that says disbelief the same way uh, Elijah talks about Baal. Well, maybe Baal is pooping. After all, he's a god, right? It's not the, the quotation marks that are merited in the Psalms where God says, well, I said you're gods, but you're going to die like men. Meaning, you know, hey, you were put in a position of divine authority here and you're going to perish. It's not the kind of biblical sarcasm that you see every now and then. These people really believed in these gods. And they're adding that to their theology. Starting to take it super seriously. This isn't even at the small level of Michael Heiser posting where Heiser says that, um, yeah, there's these divine figures that we would call gods 
small g. They're not the actual theistic god, but they were supposed to be in charge of the nations, and some of them rebelled along with the devil. It's not like that. No, these guys are saying these are an important and integral part of their theology. These gods, you see, because they're Gnostics, because they love them some knowledge, some salvific knowledge. So, t my goodness, this is so tiresome. <laughs> you are reading and listening to an audiobook from a pagan cult, a syncretistic pagan cult that paid lip service to the Bible, but definitely had their own program here. Because none of the pronouncements over burnt offerings found in the Law of Moses have anything even remotely like this. You would think if they were dedicated to Holy Scripture, they would just copy pasta the burnt offering rites found in the Law of Moses. Right? Unfortunately wrong. Because these people don't actually care what the Bible says. The Bible is just a stamp of approval for what they were going to do anyway. But let's go ahead and keep reading. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, they explain themselves and say, well, these aren't actually gods. Uh, we, it's just part of our sacrificial culture, you see, our burnt offerings. Well, the next fragment reads, dot, 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 and from among them run gods with the appearance of coals of fire, dot, 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 walking round about most holy spirits, dot, 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 holy of holies, divine spirits, everlasting appearances, dot, 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 and divine spirits, forms of flaming fire round about it, dot, 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 wonderful spirits. Okay, so no, they weren't going to clarify in any way that uh, protects orthodoxy. Uh, they're not even defending themselves here. They're just praising the gods. And the chief dwelling on high, the glory of his kingdom, the innermost sanctuary, dot, dot, dot. And he consecrates the seven elevated holy places, and a voice of blessing comes from the chiefs of his innermost sanctuary. And a glorious voice of blessing is heard by God, the gods, and the foundations, dot, 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 of blessing. And all the ornaments of the innermost sanctuary burst into wonderful prayers in the innermost sanctuary, dot, dot, dot of wonder, one innermost sanctuary to another, by the voice of holy crowds, and all their ornaments, dot dot dot, and the chariots of his innermost sanctuary will utter praises together, and their cherubim and wheels will bless wonderfully the chiefs of the godly figure, and will bless him in the holy innermost sanctuary, vakat. Talking ornaments, talking chariots, singing praises to the gods. And you're supposed to believe, according to the scholars out there in the Dead Sea Scrolls industrial cottage industry here, that these people had the inside track on real religion. We continue. For the Master, Song of the Holocaust for the 8th Sabbath on the 23rd of the second month. Praise the God of all the highest heights, all the holy ones forever and ever. They who are second among the priests of the inner temple, the second council in the wonderful dwelling with seven words dot 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 eternally. Extol him, O sovereign princes, in his marvelous portion. Praise the God of gods, O you seven priesthoods of his inner temple, dot dot dot. Height the seven wonderful domains by the precept concerning his sanctuaries. The sovereign princes of the wonderful priesthood, dot, 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 the seven priesthoods in the wonderful sanctuary for seven councils of holiness, dot, 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 the prince, the angels of the king in the wonderful dwellings, the knowledge of their understanding is for seven, dot, 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 
prince from the priest of the inner temple, the princes of the congregation of the king in the assembly of dot dot dot, and praises of exaltation to the king of glory, and a tower of dot dot dot, for the god of gods, the king of purity, the offering of their tongues, dot dot dot, the seven mysteries of knowledge, and the wonderful mystery of the seven domains of the holy of holies, dot dot dot. The tongue of the first shall be seven times stronger than the tongue of the second. The tongue of the second shall be seven times stronger than that of the third. The tongue of the third shall be seven times stronger than that of the fourth. The tongue of the fourth shall be seven times stronger than the tongue of the fifth. The tongue of the fifth shall be seven times stronger than the tongue of the sixth. The tongue of the sixth shall be seven times stronger than the tongue of the seventh. The tongue of the seventh shall be seven times stronger than the tongue of the eighth. Dot, dot, dot. Now, there is a possibility that they did not intend on embracing Caesaropapism. It may very well have been that they are talking about heavenly princes, one of these gods that they palled around with. I find it funny that they have not yet named these princes. And if it's not in the Dead Sea Scrolls here that they would name what exactly these divine princes are and what their names are, I bet it's because the real... Names of them are things like Baal, Chemosh, Molech, maybe Ashtoreth if we're talking princesses, right? Bitch anything, that might have been the case. But we continue on. Dot, dot, dot. Tongue of blessing from the likeness of the gods issues a voice of blessing for the king of those who exalt. And their wonderful praise is for the god of gods. Dot, dot, dot. There are many colored. Dot, dot, dot. And they sing. Dot, dot, dot the vestibules by which they enter, the spirits of the most holy inner temple, dot, dot, dot. And the likeness of the living gods is engraved on the vestibules by which the king enters, luminous spiritual figures, dot, dot, dot. King figures of a glorious light, wonderful spirits. Among the spirits of splendor, there are works of art of marvelous colors. Figures of the living gods, dot, dot, dot. In the glorious innermost temple chambers, the structure of the most holy sanctuary in the innermost chambers of the king, design of gods, dot, dot, dot. Likeness of, dot, dot, dot. Most holy, dot, dot, dot. The temple chambers of the king, dot, dot, dot figures of the gods, and from the likeness, dot, 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 of the holy of holies, dot, dot, dot. Wow, images of gods, engraved, sculpted, molded, painted, marvelous. You know what that reminds me of? Idolatry. This is the very thing God commands you not to do in the second part of the first commandment. You know, in the Ten Commandments, when he says, you shall have no other gods before me, and then he says, you shall not make a carved image meaning an idol, and here, Qumran, the defenders of holy scripture, according to people that love to cite them as great scribes and faithful people, they're saying, no, 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 we need images for all these gods. We can't even hold all these images of gods that we have. It's great, isn't it? Let's go ahead and read the next fragment. Before the vein in my temple explodes and I die of a stroke. The figures of the gods shall praise him, the most holy spirits, dot, 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 of glory, the floor of the marvelous innermost chambers, the spirits of the eternal gods, 
all dot 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 figures of the innermost chamber of the king. The spiritual works of the marvelous firmament are purified with salt. Spirits of knowledge, truth, and righteousness in the holy of holies, forms of the living gods, forms of the illuminating spirits, all their works of art are marvelously linked. Many colored spirits, artistic figures of the gods, engraved all around their glorious bricks, glorious figures on bricks of splendor and majesty. All their works of art are living gods, and their artistic figures are holy angels. From beneath the marvelous innermost chambers comes a sound of quiet silence. The gods bless dot 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 the king dot dot dot. Wow. So it's not the gods that are actually high-ranking angels, it's actually their artistic figures that are carved. An angel is a go-between between a man and a divine being. And these objects serve as angels for the gods, just like idolatry. So they were idolaters. They were literally idolaters. And they had no problem with that, no qualms. But they loved God's law. Seriously, guys, super serial. Next fragment, <clears throat> dot, 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 his glorious chariots. When they go, dot, 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 they do not turn aside, dot, 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 but advance straight, dot, dot, dot. For the Master, Song of the Holocaust of the Twelfth Sabbath on the 21st of the Third Month. Praise the God of dot, 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 wonder, and exalt him, dot, 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 of glory in the tent of the God of knowledge. The cherubim prostrate themselves before him and bless. And they rise, a whispered divine voice is heard, and there is a roar of praise. When they drop their wings, there is a whispered divine voice. The cherubim bless the image of the throne chariot above the firmament, and they praise the majesty of the luminous firmament beneath his seat of glory. When the wheels advance, the angels of holiness come and go. From between his glorious wheels, there is, as it were, a fiery vision of most holy spirits. About them, the appearance of rivulets of fire and the likeness of gleaming brass, and a work of dot-dot-dot radiance in many-colored glory, marvelous pigments clearly mingled. The spirits of the living gods move perpetually with the glory of the marvelous chariots. The whispered voice of blessing accompanies the roar of their advance, and they praise the Holy One on their way of return. When they ascend, they ascend marvelously, and when they settle, they stand still. The sound of joyful praise is silenced, and there is a whispered blessing of the gods in all the camps of God. In the sound of praise, dot, 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 from among all their divisions, dot, 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 and all their numbered ones praise, each in his turn. Okay. When people say that Revelation is apocalyptic literature and look at the first century apocalyptic literature tradition, if this is what they mean, then I would say all that stuff is garbage and Revelation is the only one worth actually reading. Continuing on here, we only have three more before this uh, installment is done. Dot 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 his whole offering. The gods praise him when they take up their station, and all the spirits of the clear firmament rejoice in his glory. A sound of blessing is heard from all his divisions, speaking of the firmaments of his glory, and his gates praise with a resounding voice. When the gods of knowledge enter by the doors of glory, and when the holy angels depart toward their realm, the entrance doors and the gates of exit proclaim the glory of the king, blessing and praising all the spirits of God when they depart and enter by the gates. None among them skips over a precept, nor do they dot 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 against the saying of the king dot dot dot. They run not away from the path, nor slip away from his domain. They are neither too high for his commission, nor too lowly. For he shall be compassionate in the realm of his furious destroying anger. 
He will not judge in the provinces of his glorious wrath. The fear of the king of gods is awe-inspiring to all the gods, and they undertake all his commissions by virtue of his true order, and they go dot, dot, dot. By the way, in case somebody was trying to say that the language they're using might be weaseled out of by saying these gods are actually angels, keep in mind that we just read... When the gods of knowledge enter by the doors of glory, and when the holy angels depart towards their realm, this means that the Qumran community had a distinction between gods and angels. So, miss me with that. These are people who were henotheists who liked idolatry. Only two more. Dot, dot, dot. At their marvelous stations are spirits many-colored, like the work of a weaver, splendid engraved figures. In the midst of a glorious appearance of scarlet colors of the most holy spiritual light, they hold to their holy station before the king, spirits of pure colors in the midst of an appearance of whiteness. The likeness of the glorious spirit is like a work of art of sparkling fine gold. All their pattern is clearly mingled like the work of art of a weaver. These are the princes of those marvelously clothed for service. The princes of the kingdom, the kingdom of the holy ones, of the king of holiness, and all the heights of the sanctuaries of his glorious kingdom. The princes in charge of offerings have tongues of knowledge, and they bless the god of knowledge among all his glorious works. Dot, dot, dot. And then final fragment here, dot, dot, dot. Their marvelous marvels by the power of the god of eternity, and they shall exalt the mighty deeds of the god, dot, 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 from the four foundations of the marvelous firmament they shall proclaim soundlessly a divine oracle dot 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 wall they bless and praise the god of gods that's it there are your burnt offering uh, prose devotions here that basically include Qumran going full mask off and showing us what they're really about which is total pagan insanity total syncretistic cultism and total vain worthlessness to the Christian of today, because everything in Holy Scripture condemns what the Qumran community was about. But hey, can't wait to see y'all next time for when they start talking about a uh, maybe real, maybe mythical King Jonathan. Oh yeah, even more craziness coming up ahead. Finally getting to the good stuff, digging into the weird stuff of Qumran, right? Amen and amen.